Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I supposed to love everyone? And everything, all the time. That's a good question, isn't it? It's a good question. And we're going to look at the Bible for the answer. And we're going to get real clear about that answer. That's the title of our sermon today. Very simple. Am I supposed to love everyone and everything all the time? This is our, I think, seventh week in a series of messages that we're calling I've Got Questions. And the subtitle is good. Listen, the subtitle is, How do we reconcile God's absolute truth in our postmodern culture? Now, if you don't know what postmodernism is, let me just simplify it for us. Postmodernism says, Times have changed. Things have become more modern, more progressive, and that means that we should be able to change with the times and become more progressive as well. By the way, that includes there is no absolute truth. Truth is relative. Have you ever heard that before? That doesn't mean it's a distant cousin. Relativism means that everyone gets to identify and determine and define their own truth. And so there is no absolute truth, especially from the Bible. So modernists today, postmodernism, applied postmodernism, in its aggressive form, says not only is there no absolute truth, but we need to destroy any trace of it, And then we need to shove our truth and the way we define truth down culture's throat. That's basically the postmodern culture that we're living in. Now, I know that sounds a little bit strong, but if you've watched any social media or any news on some of the hot-button topics, it's obvious that that's what's happening today. So we're really trying to focus in on... What's going on with our culture? Because the Bible says that as we get closer to Jesus coming back, that people in the church will be deceived and they'll fall away from the church family. And this deception comes from the kingdom of darkness and it's called doctrines or teachings of demons and devils. In other words, the enemy has this strategy and the strategy is to infiltrate our churches and in our cultures to bring deception, to cause people of God to fall away from the truth of the Scriptures. And that's really kind of what we've been talking about the last several weeks. Last week, we talked about the fact that we want to know what God's love looks like. 
And God's love is defined in the scriptures. And God's love is founded on biblical truth. That's the factor. God's love is full of truth. And we're supposed to speak the truth in love. But when we speak the truth, it's always supposed to be seasoned with grace. So if you missed last week's message, you can get it on the podcast. Today, I want for all of us to look at 1 John chapter 2 as we start today's lesson. And let's read the verses together. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, it will be on the scripture uh, on the screen. You ready? Let's read it together. One, two, three, read. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, I think it's safe to say that this word love is defined as it's, it's, it's something that we are fond of or something that we're welcoming, something that we find joy in or something that we entertain. He's saying, do not love, do not be fond of, do not welcome, do not find your joy in, do not entertain the world or the things in the world. Why? Because if anyone loves the world or the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's the premise of where he's heading. And then it goes on and it says in verse 17, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Okay? Now, in our postmodern culture, if you read these verses, these verses could be very controversial. After all, that passage could seem contradictory to the fact that as Christians, we're commanded to walk in love. God is love. Right? And the Bible says that if you know God and you have a relationship with God, then one of the hallmarks of your life and my life is to walk in love. Not only that, the Bible says we love God because he first loved us. And, and it goes on and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So if we're looking at this, we could kind of become confused. But we want to be crystal clear Because the Bible talks about the fact that we're not supposed to love the world or the things in the world. Now, here again, you got to understand John the Apostle, he's aged. He walked with Jesus for many, many years. He's he's probably 30 or 40 years past Jesus ascending by the time he's writing the letter of John. So here's the thing we got to consider. How can the beloved disciple John of the beloved son Jesus who was sent by a loving father to be the beloved Savior, write to us and say, do not love. And not only that, he commands us in this text not to love. So if we do love what we are commanded not to love, 
then loving actually can become sinful. Let me say that again. If we do love what we are commanded not to love, then loving actually becomes sinful. How can we be against love when God is love and we are called to love? Some people in the name of love in our postmodern culture are living outside of how God defines love in the scripture. And so we're going to be challenged in our Christian approach to recognize what's God's love and what's a postmodern description of love. And then we need to be able to discern the truth and make the right judgment call when it comes to loving things and not loving things. Does that make sense so far? It's so important. So what are those instances and what could possibly make love sinful? And that's what I want to show you. But before I, sh- before I show you that, let me show you one more text just so that we're sure we're on solid biblical ground. It's in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 39. That's not in your sermon guide, so you have to probably turn to it or just catch it on the screen. This is Jesus speaking. Listen to this. He said, don't imagine that I came to bring peace on earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Now, let me clarify. This is Jesus speaking. He's not talking about violently opposing family members. But Jesus is neither minimizing nor weaponizing family relationships. Let me clarify. This is in your sermon guide, I think. If not, just catch this. Jesus is highlighting two things. There can be no earthly human relationship, regardless of how intimate, that is allowed to detract from one's loyalty to God and God's Word. Now, this is the challenge for us because family is important. And Jesus knows that. But in a loving way, he's helping us to understand that there shouldn't be any relationship that takes higher preeminence over your personal relationship with Jesus. The second thing that he's trying to identify here is we must recognize that personal discipleship, me following Jesus, and commitment to Jesus can result in division and rejection even within your own family. That's what Jesus is highlighting here. Now, I know we don't want that, but when we have to take a stand for truth and we have to take a stand for Jesus and we have to take a stand for what we believe God is teaching us in the Scriptures and it opposes your family member's truth, 
There's where the divide begins to set in place. And Jesus is saying, listen, I have to be first. There can't be any human relationship above my relationship with you. And you can't take sides of a human relationship over you taking sides with me if you're my follower. That's what he's setting in place. Okay? So love and the concept of it is very important. But from this point forward, I want to give you three reasons real quickly. Three reasons that love can become sinful. Now, you'd never probably think about that, but I'm going to show you from the Scripture. Reason number one, here's a fill in the blank. Love becomes sinful when it's directed at the wrong object. When it's directed at the wrong object. Look at 1 John 2.15 again. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, the word world here is not referring to the earth or the earthly realm. It's not referring to the universe or the planet that we live on. In other words, God is not saying, do not love, do not care about, do not respect or appreciate the earth, the universe, the planet, or the environment. He's not saying that. Nor is he referencing the people in the world that God sent Jesus for. In other words, God is not saying... Do not love people. Do not love others. Do not love mankind. God is not saying that. The word world is the Greek word cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S, and this is what it means. The moral, spiritual order of or realm that currently controls the worldview, ideologies, and philosophies that are in rebellion against God and His kingdom. That's what's meant by this word world. So in short, this is referring to the world system that is opposed to God, to Jesus, and to the kingdom of God. Don't love the world system or the things in the world system. Here's a scripture verse that kind of speaks to that. 2 Corinthians 4.4. Listen to this. Satan who is the God, small g, of this world, who's trying to blind the eyes of men. So Satan, he's been given certain amount of dominion and authority in the world. He's still on a leash from God, but he's considered the small g God of this world. This, this system, this order that opposes God and Jesus and the kingdom of God. So when, when John, the apostle, he's referring to the word world in this text, he is referring to that world that is under the control of the devil. He's referring to that world that is spiritually and ideologically at war with our King Jesus and his kingdom. Okay? Pastor Robert, how could I know if I love the world? How could I just kind of determine if I'm fond of, if I'm welcoming, if I'm receptive of, if I'm finding joy of in the world? I think that's an important question. I'm not trying to be legalistic, but I think that's an important question for us as Christians. Are there any indicators in my life that I'm a, I'm a little too fond of the world that God tells me not to love? Well... I think there are indicators, and I don't want to specifically pinpoint any one thing, but 
Here's a verse that comes to my mind. <clears throat> it's, not in the, it's not in the notes. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world. That word conformed means shaped or molded or patterned after. Right? Do not be shaped, molded, or patterned after this world. That's what Romans 12.2 says. Then it goes on and says, on the contrary, be transformed. That's from the inside out. By the renewing of your mind, you have to begin to align your thoughts with God's thoughts and think differently like God thinks. And then it goes on and it says, so that you can perceive or know or understand God's perfect will for your life. That's Romans 12 too. It's not in the notes. But the reason I'm mentioning that is because it says, don't be conformed, don't be patterned, don't be molded or shaped after this world. So if I look at my life and I see areas of my life where I look like the world, people who don't walk with Jesus, that could be me patterning my life after the world. That could be an indicator that I'm too close to the world or I'm in love with, I'm appreciating, I'm welcoming, I'm entertaining the world. Let me tell on myself. I want to be very um, transparent. So, you know, there's a lot of different apps that you can stream on your smart TVs, right? We got a big smart TV. Uh, I love it. It's great. I've never had one. You got all kinds of apps on there. So we just downloaded an app, Peacock. I got Peacock for a year for 20 bucks. That's a pretty good deal, I thought. So I've been hearing about and I've been seeing commercials about this program called Yellowstone. Starring Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. I like Kevin Costner. If you build it, they will come. What movie was that from? Field of Dreams. That was a great Kevin Costner movie. I like that one. Okay? So Peacock, I want to watch it. I've been watching it. But this morning and the last couple days, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me. I don't recommend you watch it. If you've watched it, ask God to forgive you and don't watch it anymore. Pastor Robert, you're being legalistic. No. Listen. If you're watching movies and I'm watching movies or, or programs that are full of sexual explicit scenes that are full of foul language, four-letter words, and, and more, full of greed and murder and thieving and fighting and quarreling. What does that look like? Does that look like the kingdom of heaven? Come on, that's not a trick question. What's the answer? No. No. Oh, Pastor Robert, come on, it's just a movie. It's just a movie, but that's patterned after the world. And so if I'm all into that stuff, this verse is telling me don't do that. And there's a lot of good reasons why. We're, today's not, we're going to talk about blessing blockers later. Because there are blessing blockers. God has blessings for us, and the devil's going to do everything he can to block you from getting those blessings. 
And this could be a blessing blocker. And so that's just one way. Uh, if you're being conformed or patterned after this world, you like the things the world likes. You dig the things the world digs. And you're all consumed in that stuff. Hey, listen, that's an indicator that you're, you're, you're over there and you don't need to be. So if, if we want to stay straight, we don't want to love the things of the world because love becomes sinful when it's directed at the wrong object. So he says, don't do that. Reason number two, moving on. Love becomes sinful when it's pointed in the wrong direction. Now, that might sound like I'm splitting hairs, but let me explain. Look at 1 John again. He says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, another version, the complete Jewish Bible, says that verse this way. Listen. If someone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in him. If I love the world... That's taking precedence over my love for the Father. That's, that's going the wrong direction. Uh, the contemporary English version Bible says it this way. Listen, <clears throat> in James 4.4. 4. Oh, no, excuse me. Same verse. If you love the world, you cannot love the Father. If you love the world, you cannot love the Father. So that's the wrong direction. So love becomes sinful when it's pointed at the wrong direction. Now James 4.4 says something similar. Listen to what James says. James says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That's, that's enmity. is Another word for enmity is opposing God. You're on the wrong side. You're an enemy. He goes on and he says, Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now this word friendship, it means that you have common interests. It means that um, you're being conformed and you're being patterned after the world. And so if our love is directed towards the world then we're going to be divided in our love for God. And so love can become sinful if it's directed in the wrong way. If it's not directed to God, it can become sinful. Now, let me clarify something. When someone becomes a Christian, someone... I got any Christians with us today? Anybody who's been born again? So when someone is born again, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you're actually transferred. You're transferred spiritually. The Bible says that you go from the dark, corrupted spiritual realm that controls the world to God's pure, perfect, promising kingdom, full of light and full of God's love way of life. So you get transferred from one place to another. And with that transfer of spiritual position, there's supposed to be a transfer of our love and our allegiance. Now, hear me, friend. This is progressive as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. I didn't get saved 30 years ago 
And then all of a sudden, I stopped drinking, I stopped drugging, I stopped doing all the bad things I was doing, and I was all in love with God, and I didn't love anything in the world anymore. No, that's not true. I'd be lying if I told you that was true. There's a progression that's been taking place, and it's still going on. But there should be a progression. There should be an understanding. Oh, I'm not part of the world anymore. I'm part of the kingdom of God. I've been transferred from that kingdom And now I'm in this kingdom. Now I should be asking the Lord to help me to have an allegiance and a love that's directed to God. If our love is still for the world, then that's a signal that my allegiance has not legitimately and more fully been directed to God. And the Holy Spirit will help you with that. The Holy Spirit will help me with that. Now, this is exactly how John describes a group of former followers of Christ who later abandoned their faith. Listen, I don't know if it's in your sermon guide, but let me read it. 1 John 2.19, listen. They went out from among us, seeming at first to be Christians. But they were not really of us because they were not truly born again and spiritually transformed. For if they had been us, they would have remained with us But they went out teaching false doctrine, false teachings, so that it would be clearly shown that none of them are of us. So there needs to be a clear drawing line that we're with God, that we love God, that our love is directed to God, so that we're completely clear that we're not directing our love towards the world anymore. John is basically saying I know that they said they were Christians, but the truth is that they were never really devoted to Christ because their love, their affections, and their loyalty were pointed at the world system that is opposed to God. That's what John was saying about these people. So love can become sinful when it's pointed in the wrong direction. Somebody say wrong direction. Okay, so we don't want that. Here's the third and final reason. Love becomes sinful when it comes from the wrong source. When it comes from the wrong source. Look at 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You guys see that? Okay. So what are these three sources of sin? That's what they are. They're sources of sin. The lust of the flesh. Let's be real clear, but let's be real simple so we can get it. The lust of the flesh can simply be defined as internal sinful desires that come from being humans living in a fallen world. Another word for lust is simply this desire. Desire. As humans, we desire food, we desire water, we desire shelter, we desire comfort. There are desires that God has given us. He's created us with these desires. He's blessed us with these desires. He called them good. However, when man's sin and the fall came about, the fall introduced an internal sinful nature that pushes to exceed God's righteous desires causing healthy, 
desires to become sinful cravings, sinful yearnings, or sinful lusts that God says are not allowed. Right? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, Satan used the lust of the flesh in Eve, tempting her by convincing her that what God said was forbidden was good for food. She desired it. She lusted after it. She ate it. And here we are. Okay? So the lust of the flesh is anything that's forbidden, anything that is off limits, anything that is sinful, and it goes beyond the boundaries and the borders that God has put in place that are good. Okay? So love that comes from the lust of the flesh can become sinful. Lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes is the internal sinful desire to possess what one sees or to have those things which have visual appear, appeal. Again, in Genesis chapter 3, you remember the Bible says that when Eve saw that the fruit was good for food, she desired it. She ate it, and she sinned, and she disobeyed God. So she had a lust of the eyes. There was something there that she saw, and, and the enemy used that. She, she fell away from God. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus resisted the lust of the eyes by rejecting Satan's offer of the world's splendor. He showed Jesus all the splendor, all the glories of the world. Jesus saw them. But he resisted the lust of the eyes. And we have to be very careful. Pastor Robert, how can I resist the lust of the eyes? Keep your eyes on Jesus more often. Hebrews 12.2 talks about keeping your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Fix your gaze on Jesus. Not just what you can physically see, but what you might be even seeing in your heart. Because words in your heart and in your mind, they paint pictures. Right? So keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, why is all of this important before I get to the final one? This is important because you know as well as I do, we live in a culture that says, I want to be PG, okay, parents? I'm going to be PG. I want to be very mindful that we have kids. But kids are being exposed to a culture that says, if two men love each other, love each other, then we should embrace that love. We should support that love. We should encourage and foster and be okay with that love. Now, this is a big challenge for us as Christians because we don't want to come across unloving. We don't want to come across hateful. God says we're supposed to love people. We can respect people and their decisions that they make if they want to make them. But it would be unloving for me to agree with that decision, to go along with that decision, to support that, because as a Christian, I'm supposed to speak the truth in love. And I don't need to support that. If you want to go with that, and that's your reality, well, that's you. But you can't force me to love that and to go along what, you, what you're calling love. This is, this is a problem for us today. Kids, listen, this is not a trick question. What color is the sky? Blue. What color is the grass? Now, what would you say if I came to you tomorrow and I said, you know what? The sky is green and the grass is blue. 
what would you say? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Now, as, as simple as it is to know that that's wrong because that's reality, right? We're living in a culture right now, folks, where people are defining their own truth. They're defining their own truth. And so if we don't know what can become sinful in the name of love, then we won't know when we slide over to that place and now we're not being good representation of the kingdom of heaven. Not only that, but we could be sinning on a false or a misleading or a deceptive message to our kids and to our grandkids because it's very confusing today. And, and, and I think looking at these definitions and talking about how love can become sinful, even though that's not necessarily a topic we teach all the time, I think it's important to know that love can become sinful. And how to know how to, know how to avoid love becoming sinful. Because God wants us to walk in love. But He doesn't want us to love everything. All the time. And everything that people do in the name of love. The pride of life. What's the pride of life? Anything that leads to arrogance. Exalting oneself. While demeaning others. Pride in self presumption, and boasting. That's the pride of life. Even where our faith is concerned, we have to be careful about the pride of life. For example, God's love leads you to share your testimony. Pride could make me exaggerate. God's love causes you to proclaim His gospel. Pride makes you love the sound of your own voice expressing your own ideas for the affirmation or all of the likes on Facebook from all of the people. That could be prideful. God's love leads you to share His redemptive hand in your story, how God has been faithful, how God has been on your side, how God has healed us, how God has done things for us. But pride, if we're not careful, can make me the hero of every story that I tell. And pride is sneaky, right? So we have to be careful. Um, God doesn't want us to have the lust of the eyes. He doesn't want us to have the lust of the flesh. And He doesn't want us to have the pride of life. God's love shows gratitude for the things He's blessed you with. Pride causes you to highlight the price tags so others can be impressed. So love becomes a sin. When does love become a sin? When it's pointed towards the wrong object. That's the world and the things in the world. Love becomes a sin when it's pointed in the wrong direction. We love things. We love the things in the world more than we love God. Right? How do I know if I'm sliding over? Check out Romans 12 too. And finally, love becomes a sin when it comes from the wrong source. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So Christians are not supposed to love everyone and everything all the time, especially when love can become sinful. Amen? That's a good topic, right? Let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, clarifying in the scriptures your love and the fact that we're not supposed to love everything and everyone all the time, especially when it's clearly contradicting the love that you define for us in the scriptures. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit's grace and the teaching ministry would compassionately and patiently continue to grow us and mature us in the love of God, shaping us and molding us to become more and more like Christ. We love you, and we honor you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.